Hello, Waniacs and Splaniacs. As of August 2021, our Patreon is live! Woo! Splain will always be free, so don't worry. But if you want to help support us and help us make the show as best as it can be, you can donate at patreon.com slash fountains of Splain. We'll be releasing bonus content for our Patreon subscribers every month, as well as shouting out the generous members of the Acela VIP Lounge. Yes, so if you like what we do, you can help support us at patreon.com slash fountains of Splain. It's going to be great. And with that, on to the show. Waniacs out. out. Hey there, Dwayneyacs. Welcome to Fountains of Dwayne. It is the weekly podcast where we watch a Dwayne The Rock Johnson film in sequence, in order, based on the Wikipedia filmography table, and we bring you a three or more hour conversation about the given Dwayne movie of the week. Grace, are you ready to talk about Jungle Cruise? Wow. Wow. That is crazy because I actually feel really prepared for this conversation because I just started watching the reality television show Total Bellas about uh, WWE superstars Nikki and Brie Bella. And if you count the many cameos of Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the various WWE footage they used to fill out the boring moments of that show, um, that's a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. So I feel like let's talk about Total Bellas season one through six. Go. Okay, yeah. I mean, I was prepared because I've seen every single any time that Dwayne the Rock Johnson has been on a TV show, has appeared in a movie, even by cameo or archival footage, has done a talk show appearance, a radio spot. In preparation for this podcast, I consumed all of that media mm-hmm. and I'm ready to talk about any of it at any given time. That's amazing. Um, you can find more Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie suggestions at Fountains of Splain on Instagram. You can also find uh, various Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson videos content on our TikTok at Fountains of Splain. You can email us any like funny, embarrassing stories of your your first time meeting Dwayne the Rock Johnson at Fountains of Splain at gmail.com. And then you can um Look at our playlist for, you know, workout pump up music, a.k.a. our Fountains of Wayne playlist, which procedurally tracks the order that we listen to these songs in, these Fountains of Wayne songs, and our antidepressants playlist, which makes us slightly less depressed, and our playlist for all the musicians featured on this show who are all tremendously talented. I can't even believe it. And I think that's all the plugs. Yeah, and Jody Porter's YouTube channel, as always, always um, new content coming out there. So keep your eyes peeled. Watch that Adam Schlesinger tribute video over a video god concert, you know, commemoration over and over again until your eyes bleed. Lots to plug. Yeah, and of course, as long as you're on a platform that allows this, uh, we have clickable links in the show description. So just open them up, uh, find all kinds of YouTubes and Spotify's and other platforms that let us share uh, stuff with you. Um, Okay, so uh, what we want to do now is actually share a bit of pre-recorded audio that we did last week because we did not have Ryan with us last week. And we also don't have Ryan with us this week, we should say. Ryan has a prior engagement, uh, and so we are off the leash once again. And Dearly missed, as always. Dearly missed. But what what had happened is uh, we just went way too long before the conversation about the song and the random number generator, and we spent a meaningful portion of our time recording last week talking about the new Mitski album, Laurel Hell, because we are a couple of Mitski heads, and the conversation was too long and we didn't have time for it, so it was uh, cut. However... We like that record so much that we wanted to include at least an excerpt of conversation about this album that we uh, think is really good. Grace, do you have anything to add about that? Was that a good intro? Uh, I do not because it was 
it was so comprehensive. It was so engaging. I can't think of one single thing to add to it. Was it too much of those things, though? Could I have done it with um, less words? Now that you mention it, uh, yeah, it could have been a little more succinct. I felt a little hit over the head by it, but I wasn't going to bring mm. it up because I'm a positive person. Okay, thank you. I know that about you, and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> <laughs> and next time I'll be more succinct. Um, okay, so here is that uh, conversation. <laughs> Once in a while, we talk about new music on this show because we do like artists that aren't Fountains of Wayne and we like more <laughs> contemporary artists. And uh, we we can't not talk about the coming of a new Mitski album uh, because we are both Mitski super fans. Um, and we will try to keep this conversation from... This could be a Patreon special. So Fountains we'll, of Mitski. <laughs> yeah. We're, we'll actually, we can't do another male artist. Like, we're doing an all-white male band. Like We have to in the ladies yeah we should do fountains of mitski that would be fun um and there's That's so really many fun. people who we could get to be a guest because mitski attracts just the most yeah. passionate of fans and yes. we are and she's never and going to perform like she's never going to go on tour again until she does and it's going to be a fucking reunion tour and it's going to be that that feeling that like that nostalgia button that's going to be hit 25 years from now i'm just i can't wait yeah um so yeah mitzi's got the new, the new record out laurel hell it's the follow-up to the like critically beloved um sort of like it was it, for a while like every mitzi album was quote the breakthrough album because she was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then be the cowboy like exploded it was pitchforks album album of the year uh their songs have gone viral on tiktok it's just like taken off it's just you know a classic really uh how to follow that up you know it's one of those impossible to follow up records but she has done it seems like based on interviews and stuff it was mostly out of uh like contractual obligation to oh, label. yeah um and she has said more than Ooh, once that, that makes working for the knife makes so much more fucking sense my yeah guy. i've been doing a lot of reading because i hadn't been doing the readings so i stayed away from it all just so i could listen to the record and then after I listened to it a couple times through, I was doing, you know, all the research on it. And yeah, she, I mean, she was going to retire from music. Like it w wasn't mm -hmm. working for her. And um, I think she had complicated feelings about the big mm -hmm. success of, of be the cowboy and all the attention that brought her. And uh, famously like hates the internet and is off social media and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was shocked to see him, not to see a Mitski album because she like mentioned in several tweets that like she she was like I'm a musician like I am going to continue to be musical and like you'll see me again but like I'm just not touring touring is crazy yeah that was kind of the last word I heard on it but I was surprised to see a Mitski album this soon I mean the when we saw her in 20 fucking 18 or whatever that was 19 okay like a lot like time has collapsed a lot since 2019 so there's reasons that that feels like yesterday but even three years feels like short like i thought she was gonna take a massive hiatus yeah i also kind of felt like that when the working for the knife single came out i was pretty surprised to see it i was elated just to hear that there was going to be a mitski album coming out and then yeah i did the math on the calendar and i'm not gonna lie through the depths the darkest depths of the pandemic i did kind of wonder if mitski was gonna make like an at-home fiona apple kind of style record because her roots are making stuff in like just computers and guitars and keyboards and synths in like tiny rooms and apartments and stuff and or college dorms for her first two records like it, it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if she did a pandemic record but it she did like the other thing which is write a bunch and then make a like leaving the pandemic record but um yeah i mean okay how do you <laughs> i think the first the first thing i want to say and it's almost like uh, it's almost saying nothing it, it's like I do. I feel like this album is so true to old Mitski and yet so new direction for Mitski at the same time. Like, I I don't know. Like it it like I'm using the word panders, but I don't even mean it like negatively. It like panders to fans and it also panders to pop. Like I don't know, you know. But in like a good way, like in a Fountains of Wayne way, in a smart way. Um, yeah, that's my initial impression of it as a whole. 
Yeah, I think as a whole, like the the first time I listened to it, especially the first half of the record, I was just like really, really taken aback by and really struck by and just really immediately liked a lot Um, because it is all of the great Mitski things. It's like weird, disaffected vocals with really emotionally vulnerable lyrics, um, unpredictable instrumentation. Um, just like this, you never know where it's going to go next quality, um, kind of just like radically sad and raw, uh, and just like all that stuff we love Mitski for. And then like, yeah, it's complicated though, because it's with all that said, it's definitely her most accessible album. Like the songs on it, you could tell the influences in like 80s synth pop. And she's done that before. Like it's a lot of the tracks are kind of reminiscent of Nobody off of Be the Cowboy, which is a kind of a synth pop jam. Um, and the synth pop songs are really good and catchy and don't like betray anything like, you know, she, there's no like Mitski lost on those things. Um, but it, But it is interesting because like, be the cowboy and i think puberty too and bury me at makeout creek i think all those records feel really cohesive like one kind of painting or something with all these like colors on the canvas that make sense together and laurel hell i like all of the songs i still need to listen to it many many more times um but the songs definitely feel slightly more disjointed and that might literally just be the result of her feeling really kind of just having these complicated feelings around her success and how, you know, the touring and just this like kind of blurry, scattered, crazy lifestyle. Um, and maybe this is just like a very, very emotionally honest, uh, you know, reaction to that. And uh, yeah, but the thing is too, it's like Mitski set the bar so impossibly high with all of her records that like, anything she does is in some way going to be great and just like leagues ahead of like what anyone else is doing. It's the, my favorite record I've heard this year. So yeah. Far, oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I was like, not, I go through, I think I do this every fucking January and I've only just begun to realize that like, this just happens every January and it's probably like woven into the music industry somehow. Like our fucking like Spotify 2020 gets released in December and they're like, here, listen to all your old bullshit. And you're like, okay. And then you do that for a month and then January happens and you're like, where the fuck is my, music and like maybe someone releases a single but like there's no like oh my god like oh my god these albums are coming out and blah, blah, blah. or at least I feel that way so I'm like do I like music anymore I'm like I'm just like listening to my fucking Spotify 2021 like in all January that wasn't I, I like made a concerted effort not to but like a lot of those songs were just ending up in my new anyways um I'm glad you said that about working for the knife I know when the single got released I said on air that I hadn't I was like I really like the song I have no fucking idea what it's about and then as I've been listening to the album I, I started I began to think that it was working for the knife be, just because of the context we have of Mitski and not knowing that thing about the record company I was like, maybe the knife is you. Like, maybe it's her. Like, she's like, I'm now working for myself. Like, I'm supposed. I am like th- this. <laughs> I consider myself like maybe this like dangerous or this kind of like um, irresponsible person. And now I am responsible. Well, this is me projecting all my own bullshit onto it, by the way. Obviously, I don't know anything about Minsky personally. Uh, um, her music? Anyways. Um, like, like I n- now I am responsible for my own output. Like now it's I'm not like in the mechanism anymore now I'm at home and if I want to make something if I want to feel good about myself like the people who make the movie when their opening credits like happen or the feeling I'm having at the beginning of the song where like I'm pissed because I'm not making stuff now that's my own responsibility but I feel like it's a lot more contextualizing that the knife is actually a fucking corporate monster shitbag music CEO that's like make 13 songs I don't care if they're good I just care if they do the beep boops yeah I mean it's like that or it's just that like she's had this long tumultuous relationship with music like as kind of a career uh choice and maybe working for the knife just means like it's she's doing something because it's like what she knows how to do and what she's good at but it's like not really bringing her any satisfaction at least not in the way that she wanted it to 
it's like and the, like and the production on that song and then like all these songs the production is so like lush and like big and just like gorgeous but that one it feels like it's all like kind of steamy and there's this like clanging sound and it's really like hazy and i i don't know it's just like a crazy song well we were just talking about how as actors we like got introduced to theater in like middle school or like early high school and we were like we were like almost reluctant to be there but then we were like oh my god the attention and it heals the wounds a little bit wow the attention feels good like eventually that just becomes a fucking self-fulfilling prophecy and you're like i can't like heal my wounds and the things that are wrong with me and my traumas and all this like with the attention and like with like maybe the knife is the audience it's like i'm working for you guys and i should be working on myself or for myself but i'm working for fucking you right right yeah i mean that's the great thing about mitski lyrics is that they are so emotionally vivid but also so mysterious a lot of the times and it's like you keep listening to it and it slowly like things start to dawn on you and open up to you and you consider it from different angles and then when it's like a well-worn album that you've just listened to so many times, then like it all kind of seems crystal clear. But you need to like it it rewards re-listening. I think that's a great Mitski thing. It's like you just listen to it over and over again, and then it just becomes something that like you can feel. When I when I was making my winter playlist for this year and all the coming years, I put a ton of fucking Mitski on there because like the way that her album art works out, there's lots of stark whites and like it just like I was just like almost as a visual choice, I was like I love Mitski, these albums fit, this is winter and like now I'm listening to it and I'm like all of Mitski has this wintry vibe to it, just this like stark desolate cold loneliness as like a quality to it overall. Um, in a beautiful, in a fucking beautiful way and like a first fall of snow kind of a way. Um, and I just finally, after getting home from Chicago and being on a plane, really heard last words of a shooting star for the first time and got that that was like an anxiety dream about a plane going down. And I was just like, oh my, oh my, fu- it's cra- it's crazy when you just... It's it's crazy when people write songs like this. <laughs> like I just like I'm like no, it that's not what it's about. It's probably about a shooting star, and I listened to it a few times. I've a hundred times, but like accidentally not listening, and yeah, it's just yep. Yeah, no, all Mitski songs are like she's whispering uh, the most like personal <laughs> like, thing in your ear, saddest <laughs> shit in your ear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think like overall i really like it um i think i'm gonna keep liking it the more i listen to it i'll come back to these songs over and over again i have mixed feelings about it in general because of like knowing where it came from and how music Mm -hmm. has been kind of dissatisfying for mitski and i like all musicians all musicians but like mitski's had this like she's been doing like the press circuit and has been very open about the fact Mm -hmm. that like, you know, she moved to Nashville because she wanted to do like kind of more behind the scenes songwriting stuff. I was reading, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she, she had said that. And then she was like, Oh, I like have to make this one last record. Um, I hope, you know, selfishly, I hope that (laughs) it, you know, she takes a little bit of time off and maybe does some writing for other people and then makes her own record, like independent of a label on her own. terms, And just kind of like, we get a great, Mitski record that is working for Mitski as well as us uh, but I can see how Mitski feels a little bit like things have gotten out of hand and she's making music that's like people yeah. are you know foaming at the mouth over and obsessed with and they <laughs> love her but like she just is kind of like not into all that craziness yeah okay yes this could truly be a whole episode it almost has been a whole episode <laughs> um, so do any standout songs off Laurel Hell any like faves before we go into the countdown yeah I mean other than all of them uh, right, definitely yeah. working for the knife it's just like so so good heat lightning is amazing oh heat lightning is crazy um, I can't get it out of my head I like hum it all day every day yeah, it's so good I love there's nothing left for you that's one of my favorite ones. I really, really is love that. Is that the one where they say, where they're, um, I'm your sex god? 
I don't know. I haven't done like a thorough read through of the lyrics. Yeah, I'm still kind of visceral plane. It's the one where like it's building and building in this crescendo, and then all of a sudden gets really quiet abruptly and comes back down. And I love when Mitski does those like production choices of just being like really kind of erratic and unpredictable and it's just mm-hmm. like, or like just that. screaming for like a minute and 30 seconds yes yeah have you ever seen mitsuki's npr uh, tiny desk from like i don't think I, i'm not really like i don't yeah i i people i'm really yeah i'm a music lover and people get on my ass all the time about the fact that i'm like not more off book with npr tiny desks but like i really don't watch those unless it's someone i'm truly obsessed with and someone sends it to me. I never, I will never find them on my own. You should watch the Mitski one. I think she literally made it, I think, doing press for like Puberty 2. It's an old wow, thing. Sick. She maybe has done another one since, but it's like just Mitski and an electric guitar. And it sounds like tinny and weird and like kind of like if, at first, if you didn't know Mitski, you'd be like, this is bad. And then you keep listening to it and you're like, oh no, it's just like raw as fuck it's like an open wound just like in uh, the tiny desk in the pleasant uh, sunny uh you know npr music office which is just uh, wonderful but uh yeah no we can talk about this all day we should move on to doing a a bounce away song but we should do a patreon where we we pick a a mitski song maybe we'll get some of those obscure ones off the first two records that she made pre-label while in college uh but those records are great i if you ever go back they're Everything Mitski's ever done is uh, is great. It's amazing. Um, get then it's only natural to random number generate. That song also stays soft. It's so good. That song is crazy. That song, like, yeah, that song eats me alive. Yeah, I love Mitski so much. Okay. Uh, and if, <laughs> and if Mitski were like, here, oh, she would say, "No, you that's don't. You don't know me." Have you seen that those videos of it? Every time somebody screams, "I love you" at a concert, Mitski goes, "I don't know you." <laughs> yeah, like, very no, that's amazing. That's like the fucking Bo Burnham thing from Bake Happy, where <laughs> they're like, "I love you," and he's like, "This is not a participatory thing." <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing! I was watching a video of Mitsuki read uh, like tweets about her, and she just like the disdain, like bubbling under the surface. Where she's uh, there's at one point where she's like, "Why is this even a video?" (laughs) Like it's so like (laughs) oh man, you just get no bullshit from Mitsuki. She just why do I feel like Mitsuki is like the JD Salinger of of modern musicians? (laughs) Just like she's like. Probably. Leave me alone. I want to just live on a compound in Nashville and have everyone leave me alone. I just want to make music and have no one listen to it. Yeah. Oh, poor Mitski. Sorry we love you so much. Sorry. We can't help it. We can't stop consuming. Yeah. Must buy. Must buy. Um, okay. Why don't we generate a Wayne song and talk about a Wayne song? Let's do it. I'm going to count you down in towns the Peter Pan bus drives through to get to you. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, um, last week, we had a dip in the ocean, which I spent all week listening to with my windows rolled down in the car because um, <laughs> climate change has profoundly affected the way we've experienced February. <laughs> And that episode uh, profoundly changed the way I experienced that song. I feel yes. like I like that song and appreciate it on such a deeper level than I did before doing a deep dive. So Absolutely. I'm trying so hard to learn all the words, and it's so hard because it's so incredibly dense <laughs> and rich. Um, we have 13 songs left. Okay, I have that pulled up on the generator. So as soon as you want to start counting me down with towns that the Peter Pan bus goes through, I am smashing the generate button. Okay, the Peter Pan bus is leaving South Station, and it stops for a minute in Framingham to drop some people off and pick some people up. Um, And then it will also make a stop in Worcester, before kind of moseying down towards Connecticut finally. And then we're also going to have little layover action in Hartford. Um, and then the fourth place we will surely pass through is White Plains, New York, um, which has the Romantic Depot, which is a very exciting view from the Peter Pan bus window. 
Um, and then last but not least, we have the city of New York when you're at, you're not at, well, no, you are, you get to be at Port Authority this time because you took the Peter Pan. You did not take the Megabus, which drops you off in the Hudson River <laughs> um, at the Javits Center, mm-hmm. one of the worst places to be in October, unless you're there for the good reason. <laughs> uh, and that is how you get to New York on the Peter Pan. Okay, I stopped uh, right at that point. What's amazing is I've seen so many numbers whoosh by, and right there, uh, right where you stopped talking, we got number one. (laughs) Which is Sink to the Bottom. Finally. It has been over a year, and we've been waiting for Sink to the Bottom. Uh, This is such a good surprise wow i mean of course like we knew we were going to talk about it eventually but wow okay i can't believe we haven't talked about it yet i know it's it's crazy it's also just like the whiplash of going from we talk about this sometimes when this happens but like going from a dip in the ocean like Mm. weathered seasoned fountains of wayne who's like seen things and they're Mm -hmm. like adults and they've like lived lives to like kind of like baby fountains of wayne Mm -hmm. or it's just about like hooky melodies and like fun but still like very waynesian songs mm-hmm. uh is always a fun little uh analytical experiment to be like wow that band changed a lot over the course of its life the second ever fountains of wayne song if you want to think of it chronologically yeah, yeah. um yeah this is a big one uh time to go all right here we go Alleyways whistle, shondas and thistle, trees have let go of their leaves. Bruised and were battered, mentally scattered, a playlist that plays on repeat. Waxing and waning, look down at the pavement, life happens in the between. So I all want you home. But the night. That was Walk You Home by Eric Linden. Blub, 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 blub. That's what I sound like from the bottom. That's what the bottom sounds like. You heard it here, folks. All right. End of the episode. (laughs) Um, Okay. Sink to the bottom. This is a done. Check. Uh, this is obviously a major Fountains of Wayne song. I didn't even quite realize how major it is. It's major for me personally. I know it's a big one for you too, but I was just looking on Spotify. Unless I'm misreading something, this is their third most popular song on the platform. That's over 6 million plays on Spotify. Um, and I think we know that's one of their most popular songs overall, but I think that it's grown in esteem over time because I was reading it never charted in the U S it did chart in the UK. It reached 42 on the UK charts and it charted at seven in Norway, which makes a lot of sense based on where some of our listener demographics come from <laughs> based on when we look oh, at our, man. wow, that's contextualizing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so it's obviously a big song. Uh, it is track two on the self-titled album. Comes right after Radiation Vibe and right before Joe Ray. It clocks in at three minutes and twelve seconds. And I, 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 I like I, where you even start with this song. You know, like that's interesting to hear that it's increased in popularity over time. Like the whole thing seems to explore this like like nihilism like the idea of like oh it feels like crack cocaine to give up like it feels so good to just give up and like 
being an alcoholic, like my ultimate alcoholic fantasy was like, oh my God, I find someone else who's a functioning alcoholic and we're in love. And then my life is perfect and I'm never challenged. Like what a liberating feeling. Um, and that's sort of what the song is about for me personally. Um, but I also think just like, I, I think we're approaching an era of nihilism again, which I think like was kind of happening in the nineties. I could be like dead wrong about that. Cause we basically didn't exist in the 90s um but yeah and we're all again like I think we're like nothing matters I am in control of nothing I have I can't exert power over anything I can try and that's important but then I'll be dead and all the institutions I hate will still exist like I feel like that's more the position um people are in today yeah i mean maybe it's you know probably like same outcome but like different motivation like we talk a lot about how fountains of wayne fits into this sort of aesthetic and uh kind of cultural moment of like young person 20 something malaise mm. that was happening uh you have like movies like office space or music mm. like fountains of wayne or you know weezer or all this kind of like slacker stuff you get richard linklater movies you get jim Dar jarmish you get uh like slacker core basically uh and there is this kind of like aimless generational quality um and like i think young people were feeling a lot of that like where do we channel all our energy thing i was watching i don't know if we ever talked about this but a few months ago at this point like over the summer probably uh me and claire watched the uh woodstock 99 documentary cool. and they were like talking heads were like trying to analyze like why were those kids so angry like they had nothing to be angry about but they made this big riot at this mm. music festival i mean the festival set them up to be angry that like deprived them of like drinkable water or like you know yeah, okay, uh, yeah. uh, you know reasonable accommodations of any kind um yeah. but they were saying like this was just like a generation where like some people especially young white men were just like angry and aimless and just like put that into in that case ripping the you know stage apart during a limp biscuit set um <laughs> But, you know, I think maybe in a more, like, thinky sort of, like, college way, like, college Rocky way, I think it is, like, the, what you're talking about, this tendency, this impulse to just be, like, I don't even care anymore. I just give up. It would be so much easier to just find somebody who will validate my choice to give up and just sink to the bottom. The ocean is big and blue, which to me has always meant like, it's not even worth trying. It's so like <laughs> much out there, you know? Um, yeah. How do I encapsulate the ocean? Like, I don't fucking know. It's like or, pointless. It's like a never ending search for, yeah. Or another interpretation would be, the ocean is big and so the lyric is the ocean is big and blue i just want to sink to the bottom with you meaning like wow it's like this big world full of possibilities and i don't care about any of them i don't yeah. care how beautiful the ocean is screw the ocean i just want to sink to the bottom of it and like totally give <laughs> yeah. in to like just not running after anything and not trying yeah. uh for once i just want to like you know indulge in like that sweet sweet like I'm just gonna give up, even for just like yeah. a couple of days. Just be like, I'm done. Like there's, it's a something I, about that. Yeah, I don't want to see any of the ocean. I don't want anything it has to offer. I want to be on the bottom where it's completely pitch dark, and my brain will explode before I get there. And there are spooky monsters everywhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. I want to go to the worst place ever with you. Um, isn't that romantic? <laughs> Yeah, and in a way, like it kind of is though. Yes. Like I, I, oh, yeah. I wouldn't go as far as to say that the song is unromantic. Like there is something so like, and also like it's not just romantic in the sense of like it's about maybe fine. There's no like proof in the song that the person he is asking to sink to the bottom with him is a romantic partner. It could be a friend. I mean, this is a song we know from interviews that they've given that uh adam brought to the table and that chris liked and so that they recorded it together and it could be like about 
you know, them and their friendship being like, mm. nobody else understands us or this yeah. thing we're doing because the music hadn't taken off at this point. When the yeah. song was written and recorded, the band was... We just want to fuck around. We just want to be the worst. And then we want to, like, I don't know, see what happens. Like, which was, yeah. like, the spirit of this first album. Right. And, the, and you do sink so much into, like, a big creative project, like an album like that, when you have no record label, really, with any backing support. You're paying for all your studio time and for your engineers and, you know, all the other things and not working as much. And it's a big risk, right? So there is something kind of intense and and severe and dramatic about being like i am a young person and i'm gonna make a record instead of going and getting a reasonable job at least for a few months um and yeah i mean maybe that's kind of what it's it's wrapped up into is being like it's like on paper definitely financially for now a bad choice right it does feel like sinking rather than rising but it's the one that I feel like I need to go after. And it's so interesting in its placement with radiation vibe existing right before it, the catchy, hooky, empty quality of the phrase radiation vibe. But like, I don't know, it sort of like, yeah, encapsulates what there was to be depressed about at that juncture in time. It's like, God, like everyone's trying. And now everyone's trying to sell me something and it's all empty and I don't really need it. And like, I could make it or I could make do with something else, but I need to buy this product to fill this hole in my life. <laughs> that like feeling we all get just like living under capitalism. <laughs> this show just gets more politicized every new episode um and you know part of me also thinks like for all these sort of like you know big lofty ideas we're imposing on the song you know i, I was reading the quote from the rolling stone article that they did with chris collingwood where he was talking about his collaboration and friendship with adam and I think we've read this quote before, but just as a reminder, he said, quote, there were four of mine that we started out with radiation vibe, leave the biker, Joe Ray. And I think the I think either survival car or Barbara H. Adam got inspired by that batch. And I think the first thing he came in with was sink to the bottom. And then we both started adding songs to the pile. I didn't really think about it being a band until the album was done and we had to tour, which was a point we weren't even sure we'd get to. And so there's this idea, too, where Adam wasn't really writing too many songs yet. He was excited by this batch of songs that Chris had. And maybe the song isn't really about anything. It's just a uh, catchy string of words on a early example of mm. something that we would come to just take for granted for Adam, which is that he was just could not help but write these like incredibly hooky catchy stuck in your head for the rest of your life songs and this is like the first one he ever wrote i think like this is really like the first adam schlesinger song this well he's is... been writing for ivy beforehand but it's the first like fountains of wayne song you know like it's the yeah. of, of his which I, I think is a stylistic difference you know for it's sure, like for this sure. power I... pop this catchy yeah. kind of like aesthetic that we would I think come to associate with yeah. Adam. Not the that it's the literally the first song he ever wrote, but yeah, the fruit line of Adam is that he was a chameleon, and whatever situation he was in, he could write for. And so I like the stuff he wrote for Ivy doesn't feel like what we all imagine is like. Oh, this is really like Adam. Like it feels like power pop is more like Adam's niche, and I think that's just maybe like an unfair thing we pose on him as people who are fans of his power pop projects. Um, but really he's a chameleon right and also probably what was asked for him like oh you can do that can you also write a commercial jingle and like, <laughs> yeah, can you also right. you, like <laughs> have to be a chameleon or you would just never even move a step forward in the industry probably yes right um yeah so uh, again just like i i really do think like maybe the song I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, maybe Adam wrote the song and it was really, like, about something he was thinking and feeling at the time. Or maybe he just wanted to write, like, a really, really catchy power pop song that sounded like a lot of the music that he really loved and felt, like, aesthetically similar enough to the stuff that Chris was writing that it could fit in on the album they were making together. So it was more of, like, a song from the outside in versus the inside out kind of kind of situation. Mm -hmm. um, and either way... 
what happened was he wrote this like amazing song this like classic fountains of wayne song like i I, we didn't crunch the numbers on like every platform it exists on but to be the third most played song on spotify is like a huge deal because you look at it it's like uh you know it's stacy's mom it's hey julie and then it's synced to the bottom, like above Hackensack, Wild, above yeah. Someone to Love, above Mexican Wine, above all kinds of time and Valley Winter Song and Bright Future and Sales. Like this is a song that is really stuck with people. And regardless of the lyrical intent while he was writing it, there's something about that string of words in that melody. I want to sink to the bottom with you. I want to sink to the bottom with you. The ocean is big and blue. I want to sink to the bottom with you. Something about it just like grabs you. And like, if you've ever related to whatever that could mean, the feeling of sinking, especially when it is as a pair with somebody else, Mm. It's just like a, I don't know, it's an, it's, it's an idea lyrically that I can't really think of another like song that went for that. It, it is just like this, it's this undeniable thing that we all recognize without maybe being able to place it. Every single romantic comedy ever written has a moment where like the high strung partner loosens up and like joins the debaucherous partner at the bottom. Like it's like a it's like a bonding ritual. Like and it's like a a love song to a person, but also like to that ritual. Yeah, I think that could be a lot uh of what else it's wrapped up in i also love that it's an early example of um adam just couldn't resist but write about cars and planes and traveling <laughs> yes just explicitly <laughs> that yeah what it's the it goes into the chorus to cars on the highway yeah he doesn't quite say where the cars are going but uh maybe uh the next song he wrote was like though. we gotta figure out where those cars are going yeah that was that was um utopia parkway he's like okay well now we have to tell everybody N- now we know now we have to tell they're going to amity gardens they're going to the malls <laughs> they're yeah they figure out where they're going um, i mean the survival car i guess is all about where cars are going the song also like uh it's a great um it, it has this sort of quality to it that i think makes it perfect for movies and tv and i think it's been used in more things than this but just ripped off the wikipedia article it was used in how i met your mother and the episode atlantic oh city god. from season two oh and god i remember that that's like all wow a rush of a flood of memory just returned to me yeah um and then i didn't know about this or i i remember I kind of vaguely remember hearing about it just thinking it was weird because it's pretty left field for the show but it is the closing song on uh an episode of the marvelous mrs Maisel, episode seven marvelous radio um because they usually go for the 50s and 60s music but i guess they went for the fountains of wayne song here but uh yeah i guess it's the credit song the credit song yeah it probably plays the episode out yeah it's like the credit song yeah um but yeah, pretty big platforms for this song, which again, it's so funny to think like when the song was written, it was like just by some kids who didn't know, didn't even know that the songs were going to like become a band. They were like, let's just like make some songs for fun. Um, and then like, here you get like years later, okay. like the biggest company in the world is using that song in their flagship TV show. <laughs> Everyone else is going somewhere. They're going nowhere and I'll be there soon. Uh, so good. Uh-oh. It's like it's so simple, but it's such like a good sentiment. That's the thing. It's like again, it's that genius of Adam with pop music. It's like it's it's last week we were talking about Chris Collingwood and these like dense lyrical poetic words in a dip in the ocean, which are amazing and like fit that song perfectly. And the way that Adam and Chris complement each other so well is that here's Adam saying so much with so little. Like even that string of words you just read. It's like it's just enough that it you know exactly the feeling that he is describing without him over explaining it. Uh, there aren't a lot of uh, meaningful song meanings comments, but uh, the mo- the one worth noting um, very shortly after the first anniversary of nine eleven in the year two thousand two, I just thought this was a very early two thousands comment. 
I just love this song. It makes me smile. It's just so damn cute. It pretty much expresses how I feel every day of my sad, boring life. Oh my God. That's such an <laughs> early internet comment. I love that. Super, super just, yeah. My depressive. sad, boring life. Depressive. I wish there was like the like equal sign, um, square parentheses, sad face, you know, like. Yeah. I wish there was Maybe more... with a comma for a tear forced emoji action going on handwritten emojis <laughs> emoticons remember that's what they were called oh oh my god i forgot before emojis we had emoticons um emoticons walk so emojis get around so emojis could sprint Whoa. um this was included on billboard's 15 greatest adam schlesinger songs uh worth noting i think i agree with that this is mm a top tier Adam song and just a top tier uh, Wayne song. Uh, typically like uh, during our break, we do some research. And one of the things I do is I plug in the name of the song into Google. And then I go over to the news tab because if any music blogs or culture blogs have written about the song, even pretty small ones, even local ones, they will appear in those search results. And then if nothing comes up, I will add fountains of Wayne to the end of it. But I kind of want to see like, it, it's a, it's an indicator of how popular the song is if i don't need to put fountains of wayne mm-hmm. um when i put sing to the bottom half of the results were about fountains of wayne and the other half were about a recent incident uh from like three or four weeks ago where a highly anticipated cookbook from like a trendy i think restaurant like this restaurant tours and chefs putting together this cookbook and it was coming to i guess america or somewhere over the ocean and some shipping containers fell off of the ship and sank to the bottom of the ocean so when you type in sink to the bottom it's all these news articles that are like highly anticipated cookbook sinks to bottom of ocean um and i just thought that was also, like really, what the really fuck funny. are we are they coming over on the santa maria like what how do we why are we shipping why, why are you not just sending that in an email like what what I'm... and why are we losing them like it's first of all like right. airmail and stuff but like why are we they're falling off of like uh, that happens like shipping containers those big containers fall off of the ships like uh that's just a yeah that seems like a very faulty yeah that seems terrible for ocean life speaking of things at the bottom um wow horrible yeah bad for that habitat and everyone involved but like it really feels like there should be a digital copy of the book in 2022 (laughs) doesn't feel like we need to waste so much paper yeah, if you're if you're not cooking basic using a recipe off of your iPad, I mean, you're still propping a cookbook up in your kitchen on like a little cookbook stand. Like, come on, get real. Um, we something, would be yeah, there's something quaint about that, but also like it just like feels like as a company you should be paperless. <laughs> yes, which is also funny because um we're big hypocrites, and I have never bought a uh ebook in my whole life. Oh, no, I compulsively yeah, I purchase uh, paper yeah, books. I have and... to like write in the margins and like underline it and write my name in it and like have it in my hands. <laughs> yeah, I have like a stack of books on my desk right next to me right now that are not yeah, not digital never, copies that I never read. But like no. I, but if I were to read, it would be that. <laughs> no, books aren't for reading; they're for piling no. on your desk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, they're for reading three chapters of and then like manically starting another book and then like abandoning books altogether yes uh thank you uh internet for ruining <laughs> our brains um we'd be remiss to get out of here without talking about the music video for this song uh we said this early on but other than the stacy's mom video we had not seen any fountains of wayne music videos and including this one i've stayed away from it for a long time now because i wanted to watch it and be able to talk about it on the show and have it see it with fresh eyes um and so these are all like actual first impressions uh that's true for you too right yes yeah uh so what did you think of the music video for Sinks of the um very funny very 90s like an aquarium tank background throughout most of the parts of the music video and then the band members working at a cannery processing fish uh all of the members of fountains of wayne are hot um uh, old sea world footage like just very directly they're like ocean theme ocean theme under the sea prom through a, a 90s media lens 
yeah, that perfectly hits the nail on the head. I love this yeah, video. Selling sunglasses or yellow yellow sunglasses, making sushi. Um, yeah, no, this it's a great video. It's very engaging. Um, it remind it's very like um, nostalgic for me. I guess it like they show the actual like a TV screen with the bunny ears and like the fish going by on it. But that's like a video we used to play on. Like we would like turn the VHS tape over and like just leave that on for hours for my cat. Like if we were leaving and like we wanted the cat to be soothed, we had like a fish aquarium VHS tape that we like shoved in the player that would like play for six hours while she like <laughs> acclimated to us being gone. Oh my god, that's amazing. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, like, I mean, if you, like, now it's YouTube. Like, you're like, oh, 12 hours right. aquarium. Yeah, but, like, it used oh, to Oh, yeah, no, I know, I know there's internet version of that, but it's yeah. it's amazing to think that that goes back to, to yeah. analog times. Yeah, that's, high, uh, that's effort, so, like... high effort home TV aquarium for kitty cats. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I think it's an amazing video. It just, it like captures the essence of Fountains of Wayne and what makes them so great. It's irreverent. It's weird. It's uniquely them. It just kind of captures their attitude. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty brilliant. I mean, the song is called Sink to the Bottom. It's obviously about the verb sink. And toward the end of the song, they show image after image of the noun sink. Like there are sinks and drains in the video right when they say i want to sink like they an image of a sink that like you wash your hands in comes on yes, the screen yes and i was just like uh, these like that's just so funny i don't know what it is about like <laughs> taking uh <laughs> yeah. changing the meaning of the words for the, the music video like that yeah it's, also it's like, just like the video version of onomatopoeia yeah right it, it's, it's just like amazingly shot too like the opening shot um it's like the finger like pressing on the keyboard because it opens mm. that keyboard like ding 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 uh and it does that in time and seeing a visual of that is kind of a great way to like get revved up for the song and then that's like way in the foreground of the shot and then in the background there's like all this other stuff happening and it's really kind of like cinematic and like you said just like super 90s like it reminds me of 90s art house cinema that like kind of art house 90s revolution like kind of a little bit uh Sofia Coppola a little bit Tarantino a little bit Wes Anderson it's got like all that kind of like stuff very Spike Jones like it's all that kind of stuff I think Um, you you and I have this in common at least spiritually if not exactly I was a kid who throughout middle and high school my mom woke me up in the mornings by putting by turning my tv on and putting the channel on VH1 like I would fall asleep watching like whatever debaucherous monstrous shit on like or like a fucking comedy central or adult swim or whatever I was watching the night before and then she would change the channel to 29 VH1 and like the fucking soft rock of the day would like lull me back into the waking world um and when you think about like the fucking like procedural bullshit boring music videos that were being released and exposed to us in 2010 2011 where we were like in the middle of our high school experience versus this music video where like they give you imagery from the song but they just kind of like joke at it and glance at it and they don't tell you exactly what the song is about like all we got in our era of vh1 was songs that are us exactly about something and they tell you in the song and then they show you in the music video and there's no room for thought or your own (laughs) experience to apply anywhere and it's like Fountains of Wayne is just like joking and nodding at that in an era where you couldn't go on a podcast and talk about how like your philosophy about art is that you don't fucking share always exactly what it's about and like let people you know like whatever like um yeah that's what it makes me think of (laughs) it makes me think of how robbed we were um compared to people who were teenagers in the 90s yeah no you watch that music video and you're like wow this is like a piece of art it's not just a commercial for the album which is like like her diamonds by rob what's his it thomas and it's just like a girl with like diamonds crying out of her eyes and it's like shut the fuck up like you suck everyone sucks it also does a great job of just showing like the personalities in the band like it's this like 
introduction to like what these guys are kind of like at least they're kind of public personas and the mm-hmm. like collective energy of like what those guys are like in one space together yeah. and you just get like exa- there's a lot of music videos where like there are guys trying to be cool looking kind of disaffected being like cool rock stars then there are the ones from the 90s where they're intentionally trying to be kind of extra nerdy or there's the ones that are intentionally trying to be extra dark and like kind of industrial and fountains of wayne more than like any band i can think of just seems like they are four real people but who have made kind of like an aesthetic like almost art direction choice to like have this collective attitude and it's hard to place exactly what that attitude is but it is wrapped up in like a reverence and a little bit of poking fun at everything and not taking anything too seriously uh but not veering like too far into silliness like i don't know it's like this tightrope walk uh yeah that that they do I think like so often because we like see the whole picture of the band, we think of each member as like such an extraneous, different personality. And like as the band progressed, like the even costuming got like a little less intentional and a little less planned and a little more, it seemed from an outside perspective, like personalized to that actual person. Um, this is really just like showing what's so like there's just like an undeniable chemistry and like a wavelength that they're all riding during this period of time. Um, and it like has nothing really even, I mean, it's a stylized video, but it really has nothing to do with the costuming. It's just like, you can like see the way they like agree on things and play together and share a perspective in this music video. And it's like, we talk a lot about what divides them, I think. And we don't see that a lot in this era. Like we get them at their purest, I guess, if you want to put it in those terms. Yeah, definitely at their like least uh least at odds with each other. <laughs> it's like most cynical and least cynical. Like least cynical about the idea of being musicians and like most cynical about like the <laughs> industry of music in general. Yeah. No, I mean it's an amazing song. Uh also one last note on the music video. I love that Brian Young falls off the stool at the end. He like hits the last <laughs> the last beat on the drums and then just like kind of falls backwards, but doesn't have like any he just like kind of falls, has no like facial reaction to it very much. He's like I'm done now and just like falls backwards. <laughs> it's great. It's it's a great moment. Um yeah, no. I, this is an amazing song. It is impossibly catchy. Uh, it, whenever I hear it, it's stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Whenever I play it for people, they are immediately enamored with it and like can't believe that it's Fountains of Wayne. It's one of those songs you show to people who only know about Stacy's mom. It's just like a like advertisement for just like how good and effective this band can be again just doing the most with the least just like here are four instruments a handful of words and an amazing (laughs) hook and it's like this perfect power pop song it's just like i think one of their greatest songs it's one of my favorite songs of theirs um i i I don't know i love this song a little teaser before the top 10 episode a little a little spoiler maybe we'll find out perhaps tyler do you have a bad idea? I do. So my bad idea this week is a real bad idea that I'm actually undertaking, which I don't know if that has been the case thus far, but I just wanted to share it. Um, so I-, I was talking on the phone with uh, my friend Kevin, uh, known amongst friends as Kevo. Uh, he lives in South Carolina. They don't get to see him as much, or sorry, North Carolina. They don't get to see him as much as I'd like to. Um but I've known him since we were like pretty much babies. And one of the things that we kind of found together in our youth and really like ran with as a mutual interest was this uh, Japanese comic uh, or manga, if you're in on that lingo, uh, this manga series called One Piece. Oh my God. Uh, I'm like, I know we were exactly just like... where this is building to. My God. Okay, go. Go, go, go. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were like obsessed with One Piece. We read it compulsively. And back then it was published really, really slowly. Like, you'd go to, in America, like you would go to Barnes and Noble. There's this tiny manga section. Now, manga, anime, this stuff is all mainstream. But like in the late 2000s, it was like nerdy and weird. And Barnes and Noble like shoved it into a back corner on one shelving unit and was like here you go just the most obvious stuff uh and the publishers were putting out very slow there was this moment where they decided to publish it like in rapid succession i think in like 2010 where it came out really quickly 
And in 2012, after being into it for many years, we were in high school at this point, um, I, I just got like busy with other stuff and like getting ready to go to college. And I kind of like fell behind on One Piece and then got overwhelmed and stopped reading it altogether and was like, I got to quit this for a while. That's how Kevin reading never... works. We just we just said it. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly how all of reading works. Okay. Exactly. Even Great. comics, like even something that's like yeah. is supposed to be easy and like effortless yeah. to do. Anything. Uh, so I was talking to Kevin. It's 2022 now. It's literally been 10 years. And One Piece has still like lived vividly in my memory. It's like not something I have forgotten about, you know, uh, and I still think very fondly about my time with it uh and he for years kevin will call me and be like dude just like read one piece like just keep reading it it's fine like it's never too late um and because i was talking to him on his birthday i finally made a promise to him that after 10 years almost 10 years like nine years and 10 months i am gonna pick one piece back up and i'm gonna try to catch up so my bad idea this week is catching up on the manga series one piece i hold in my hand right now volume 60 which is one i've had on my shelf for almost a decade uh the chapter i am on is chapter 590 that's like effectively where I, I've caught, I've read probably about 20 chapters. I, I left off on chapter 551, I think. Now, after like a week of reading it, I'm on that chapter. There are just over 1,000 chapters of One Piece published. And so the bad idea is that on no reasonable timeline, like I don't know how I'm going to do this, how long it's going to take. I'm just going to keep reading until I get to the end of it, I guess. I'm going to try to read over 400 chapters of One Piece, like probably pretty soon. My, I wrote in my bad ideas note, Acela would be a beautiful baby girl's name. So I think my bad idea is to name your daughter Acela. I mean, that makes sense specifically for, for you because of your yeah. love of traveling on uh, trains and buses and also Fountains of Wayne. Makes total sense. Yeah, that would actually track um, on a lot of levels. And now it is time to thank the uh, patrons uh, who back us on Patreon at the highest level and get uh, a couple of perks. They get exclusive episodes, but they also get their names read at the end of the episode. Thank you, patrons, for your support. You truly make doing this podcast uh, easier and uh, more feasible. So thank you. Grace, read those names. Mallory Stewart, Rachel Hart, Law Pontiff, John LaFollette, and Eric Gatos. Wow, they probably all hated that. <laughs> yeah, I thought I would do it like the like old-timey announcer on like an after-school variety show. Like, Oh, I totally got that. I oh, loved right, it. Okay. I could hear the music playing in okay. my head. Yeah, oh my god, amazing. Okay. Yeah, no. I loved that, dance, all the children and did. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Lady X out.